It's the Dort Podcast. It's the Dort Podcast. Rich Keith. It's the Dort Podcast. Hashtag. It's the Hashtag Dort Podcast. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Hashtag Dork. I am your host, Rich Keefe, joined by Ryan Davey and Uncle Buck. It's a three-man weave. Guys, how are you? Feeling great, Richard. How are you? I'm good. Buck? I left my playbook at home. Oh, no. Son of a gun. Dorktober is here. We've been teasing this for a while. It is going to be the top 50 horror movies as voted on by the three of us. Today's episode, 50 through 31. Next week, we will do 30 through 11. And then that last week, the top 10, which I, we're all very excited about. Are you guys, we're gonna, what we're going to do is because we uh, have so many movies to get to today, we're going to do a very abbreviated This Week in Dork. Is that okay? Fine with me. I mean, I, the less we hear of you, the better. Get it? <laughs> waka waka. <laughs> I have a lot of notes here. <laughs> can, we, can we speed this up? We just, I, was, yeah. I was told we could talk about horror films. <laughs> So initially, I was thinking of skipping this week in Dork altogether. However, Star Wars The Last Jedi trailer came out this past Monday, halftime of that dump of a football game. We all got a chance to see it. Davey, let's start with you. First reaction to The Last Jedi trailer. I was completely overwhelmed. Like you said, after being bored to death by a 3-2 to two football game at halftime, uh, I... I I have since watched it like a dozen times and done like the frame-by-frame study of it. And like all Star Wars trailers, like all big blockbuster trailers, I'm left with more questions than I have answers. So I'm just I'm, I'm still unpacking it. Buck? Yeah, for me, it was, uh, I, it was, I started having that feeling like, oh, have I seen too much? Yeah. You know what I mean? Because the director was saying at first, don't watch it if right. you don't want to be spoiled at all. And so I was a little concerned, well, too. Well, I started, like, interpreting what this must mean. And I and honestly, I did the same thing Davey did, where I'm, I've seen it, like, eight times or whatever. Yeah, right. But <laughs> and even that, I'm like, oh, I still should stop watching. But the one thing that kind of caught me was the scene where the ground starts shaking and Luke looks back. And I was like, oh, that's right. He's not a great actor. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. He, is he makes a, his he is face that I can't hero. believe. No, I know. He may, may be a better voice actor than he is an actual <laughs> actor. But I'm looking forward to a lot of Luke. How about the, the poster that came out as well? Everybody was drawing the, uh, the Darth Vader mask sort of around everything that was in the, in the poster, which I thought was pretty badass. Also, we got the uh, Porg. We discussed the Porg on a couple yep. episodes ago. He made a bit of a noise. I'm guessing he doesn't speak, he or she doesn't speak English. It looks like it's just sort of like a, a Yelp of some sort. I'm still, I'm still 50-50 on the Porg, but, oh, uh, you know, I on. just, Gotta I like don't know, porg. I'm not sold on the Porg yet. the Porg's not like, Misa driving the Falcon. Like, he's not yeah. doing that. I wanted to bring the Porg no. to the driving range and hit him in, into the car. <laughs> so you're anti-Porg. <laughs> big, big. I was like, what are we, regressing to the <laughs> Phantom Menace here with these sell- sellable items? He's a handsome little devil, though. He's not, he doesn't look like a Gungan. He looks like more of a, a Mogwai. So I'm, I'm. Pro Porg, but I guess you guys aren't. A lot of Snoke in this. Uh, Snoke talking to people. And where do you stand again, David? Do you want Snoke to be somebody we know, or do you not care? Or I'm sorry. Or would you, um, or would you prefer that he's somebody new? No, I would prefer as much as the novel can, like the canon novels, as you can pull into this, the better. Um, because I think that, in my mind, I think that's what fans want. You know what I mean? I mean. We still don't know who Ray is, but we know that from the books that Han and Leia had twins. You know what I mean? So I okay. I, there's that. That's out there. So I I like the the bringing in the novels 
into this? Like, even if it's not even um, whole stories, but just characters and Because that's what they've done. They sort of pick, they can pick and choose because they went through, they wiped everything out. They're like, none of this well, means anything. Now it's just this stuff. However, we're still going to probably borrow from some of the old stories. But I love right. that we have this universe that's so gigantic that we know who everyone is. And they're like, all related. <laughs> they're all related. That, so I want him to be somebody fresh, too. I didn't mind the Darth Plagueis idea because that sort of that would actually give the prequels a little bit more life like there's more reason to actually watch the prequels if it was Plagueis um and the other wouldn't that make sense though that they would do that because everyone's like everyone who's who's never seen Star Wars before the first thing they say is just watch four five and six you don't have to watch the prequels yes that's exactly what by bringing Plagueis in now you have to watch now you're like just for that little nugget that's like a punishment then because I mean (laughs) you may remember those three prequels are terrible and you can watch some more senate hearings you can really get involved there (laughs) what about Ray Buck do you care if Ray is like a Kenobi or would you rather Ray be her own I just want it to be somewhat of a lateral I don't want her to be a Skywalker yeah not a Skywalker yeah Yeah, okay I'm with you on that anything else in the last Jedi trailer either either of you guys no, no, that's okay. there's, there's way too much. We can't cover it in this, now, this short of time. Justice League trailer. I believe I read a two word review for it. It said <laughs> shit sandwich. <laughs> that's not real, is it? Yeah, no, I think they wrote that that was crap. That it's was garbage. Nitpicking, really. It was out of nowhere too. <laughs> was it didn't they release it on like a Saturday afternoon? Well, you know what's funny, so what was that? so and I'll get to this in my Comic Con minute, but oh, they have right. a giant Oh, so that's why it they was. They have a okay. giant yeah. Justice League setup. Uh, in the middle of Comic-Con that I stood in line for to do the stupid thing just so I get the free T-shirt, and the trailer played a million times. So I'm oh, sitting, I've so watched it. A mi- so, okay. so I, yeah, I and gave so it really a million thumbs down. Well, in fact, if you draw, instead of the Vader face, if you, if you trace around that one, it's a giant penis. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? I think, I think Buck may have sort of alluded to, I think, Davey, we might actually have some breaking news here. No, we don't. Yeah, I think we do. Now, a hashtag dork news flash. We're introducing a new segment. We have a brand new segment. We're going to try to workshop this a little bit. How long is that going to go? Longer than I remember. Now, <laughs> yeah, longer than I remember. We've uh, and again, the guy who uh, who issued this little tweet to us, Ryan, as you said last week, was not incorrect when he said we've been focusing more on his words, TV and movie fuckery, and we weren't yep. doing as much video games and comics. So. That is why, of course, we have the video game minute, which apparently he forgot. But Uncle Buck is here. That means we're going to get the Uncle Buck comics minute. My name is Bugs. My name is Bugs. My name is Bugs. And I'm here to talk about comics. <laughs> talk about comics. DC. And I'm here to talk about comics. Independent labels. So talk about comics. Let's talk about That's right. It is the Uncle Buck Comics Minute. I want to thank Marcus from the Boxers, uh, the Boxers podcast. We're throwing that together. He has done most, if not all, of our intro songs. So without further ado, Uncle Buck was at New York Comic Con. What do you have for us? Yeah, I mean, I'm not crying, but I'm just making some onion soup over here. (laughs) That was very nice. That was very Um, nice. Wasn't that kind? Thank you. Wonderful. Uh, Record attendance this year. 200,000 people went to Comic-Con. Really? Which is crazy because, first of all, they were up 20,000 from last year. But second of all, that hangar that they do Artist Alley in was closed for renovations. So they stuck all the artists in this, like, big ballroom area down in the left corner quadrant of the thing. Um, So that whole thing was not only hot, but it was so congested. That was a nightmare. 
I mean, I had a listen. Comic Con was great, right? I had right, a blast, right. But just you guys so saw what I put yeah. out. Yes. Um, Mark Hamill was making twelve hundred dollars every four people that he signed oh for. Oh my god! Which I was <clears throat> one of them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I got Michael Roker to tear up when I got his him to sign my Guardians comic. I saw that. That was yes. very good. Yes. Uh, you got him to tear up. Well, yeah. So I said to him, I said, my kids really, you know, they noticed me tearing up when they were watching Guardians Two, and it like got to him the whole father son storyline. Wow. And then I told wow. him I liked Henry Henry Sporter of a serial killer. I'm not gonna end that. <laughs> He's like, oh, okay. He's so like, you, oh, you're okay. scary. So you're also like, yeah. So you have some problems. <laughs> um, but I mean, so the Justice League trailer was obviously a big thing. We talked about it. Yeah. I wish I was there now when this Ben Affleck thing is breaking. All this stuff about Ben Affleck with. Uh, uh, his situation going yes. on right now, yeah, all crazy. the controversy. Um, but the big thing, let me just go. I'm gonna gonna go real quick. Yep. DC, Marvel, and Independence. Uh, the Doomsday Clock was the huge thing at Comic Con. Uh, the Doomsday panel revealed that Rorschach is alive. Okay, he's in prison. Okay, oh. a couple of the things that were revealed. Um, there was a cover where Batman's reading Rorschach's journal. Cool. There's also a cover oh, where cool. Le- yeah, that is really cool. Where Lex Luthor's sitting and Ozymandias' hand is on his shoulder. Oh, that is awesome. That's a cover. Yeah, see, I'm in on the Watchmen. And Jeff Johns did confirm that during the 12-part series called Doomsday Clock, Superman will fight Dr. Manhattan. Awesome. I'm in. I am so in on all that. that. That was the huge DC stuff. Marvel mm, had a bit of a tough weekend. Yeah, well, I know they didn't bring the Punisher. Yeah, so they canceled the Punisher thing based on what happened in in, uh, Las Vegas. But very oddly, they announced a uh, a partnership with Northrop Grumman. Which is a arms dealer, which is like, oh, which is basically geez. Stark Tech, okay? Yeah. And within within like sixteen hours of making this announcement on the first day of Comic Con, they canceled it. Really? They said we're not doing it because all so many creators were like, we're bailing. We don't want to have anything to do with people that make weapons. Wow. Yeah, they were trying to tie in like, hey, Marvel is like coming up with great ideas that weapons companies want to work with us as far as making weapons. Oh, that yeah, is very odd stuff. Yeah. Uh, so and like you said, so they knew they canceled the Punisher because of a very specific reason. Yeah. But then you announced a partnership <laughs> with a gun manufacturer. Yes, we're all about guns. No, no, no. no maybe a bomb manufacturer, a not bomb even a gun manufacturer. manufacturer. Like, that's unbelievable. Yeah. Oh my god! And but then on that's top of that, they yeah. had a, you know they have these retailer breakfasts and meetings and whatever. And and one of the things that people don't really realize is this is a major business as far as the retailers that show up and yeah, have yeah. huge stake in what's going on. They were all bitching to Marvel about the, the direction of the oh company. Last god. two years, they've done a lot of these um, kind of inclusive minority storylines in which they have now a female Wolverine, uh, right. you know, African-American Iron Man, a female African-American Iron Man, and all these different characters, and they were all complaining because the sales have shot down. Now, I'm not saying that that's the reason, but, but right. that's what they were saying pretty right. much. And the arguments actually spilled out into the hallway from that, uh, that meeting. Did they really? Yeah, interesting. Oh, wow. Um, as far as Image and Skybound went, Kirkman's Oblivion song, which is his next project, okay. was given away as a freebie to, at the retailer breakfast, which is very cool. I saw one of these, and within like five hours, they were going on the secondary market for $300. Holy smokes. Um, okay. It, it's actually his, his new thing is supposed to be 3,000 people um, were kind of taken out of Philly um, and uh, put on a – some sort of alien dimension. It's kind of like Invincible meets Walking Dead. It's supposed to be like a post-apocalyptic okay. type of story. I'll give it a go. So, and I think it's probably his first, probably the first project he'll do with Amazon. Um, and then, as far as indie comics went, Scout and Creature Comics, who I saw have big bumps last year, kind of came back to earth this year as far as their boots and their presence. Comics tried to have a huge hit uh, with Sync, which we talked about. Yes, yes. Which uh, you know, uh, all 
I love sync. Go yeah, ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. No, that, but that's. Uh, uh, but that was a. Uh, and then independent. There's an independent book called Off Girl, which had a huge presence, but doesn't have a distributor yet. The premise of the story is that a girl, when she has an orgasm, okay. releases a demon from her body, <laughs> and the demon goes crazy. So they're looking for funding. Anyway, <laughs> oh, are they? That's okay. my, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I think I know that girl. <laughs> Well, well done, Ryan. That's my comic book minute. Uh, th- thank you. That was the first comic book minute. I feel like we could have more comic book minutes. Now let's get to uh, the next portion of the program. It's time for Davey's Video Game Minute. Even if it takes more than a minute. What do you got for us this week, Davey? All right, well, i got two games that are coming out this week that kind of big titles that people are, are playing and liking so far. Um, first of all, the Star Wars Battlefront 2 uh, um, beta was this weekend. Uh, a little underwhelmed. Okay. Um, they're doing loot boxes, uh, much like Overwatch, which is how you level up now. You get, like, certain loot, which people are not very pleased with. Mm. Um, so no, no word on that yet. It was just kind of like, eh, you know what I mean? Yep. But um, some big other titles that are coming out um, – Middle Earth Shadow of War came out. I don't know if you played the first one, the first uh, Middle no, Earth. No, I didn't. Uh, it was it was really good. Um, kind of basically think of like a Batman series game. Uh, that's the that's the fighting style, uh, oh, okay. but in in uh, Middle Earth in Mordor. Nice, you know. So that's I'm but in. they had like a really cool class system and it's a RPG kind of thing, you know, with uh, hobbits and such. Okay. There are no hobbits in there, but you get the well, idea. I, I got it. Yeah. So. You get the idea. So that's what people are playing. The other thing, too, since we are in Dorktober, uh, The Evil Within 2 uh, is now available to play. Um, I played the first one of these. I think I streamed it a little bit. Uh, you might have You might have been the person watching that, Rich, when I was playing. It was not me. It was some other lucky viewer. Some other, lucky, some other lucky viewer. viewer. Um, yes, yeah, it was not so me. So it was um, very, very Japanese, uh, very Japanese horror, um, okay. but uh, kind of a fun play. If you've got nothing else to do, I'd say pick it up. But uh, some of the big news, Richard, that I don't know if, if you're hearing this, the SNES Classic, people are going on YouTube and showing you how to hack them so you can get, like, hundreds of games instead of 20. Nice. We got to tell Mac. Mac's got We got to tell Mac. He bought, like, so Mac Attack's he bought a bunch that. of them, and then he was that guy that was selling them to other people. Yeah, well, it's, uh, it's you know, that's capitalism at its finest. It really you know is I mean? capitalism. Yeah. But anyway. So, and the other thing, too, that I will mention that I'm – pretty bummed about is the game cuphead which is getting a lot of buzz right now yeah um is not going to be on playstation 4 they announced that and um i'm dying to play it and have no way to play it so i'm sorry i know it's terrible <laughs> but it's killing me i'm watching like i'm watching like he's, all upset, these... he's upset about it. i'm upset about it well ryan let me tell you about a game i i am playing are you, are you done can i can i jump one on here at the end first of all i'm never done oh uh, I'll wait. But yeah, I'm, I'm good. You're good no, now. Good. All right. Uh, yeah. NBA 2K18. I got a, I got this game uh, from 2K Sports. It's out. It's been out for a few weeks now, but it is great. Like I, I have, I took me a couple years to get a game or, or a basketball game. This is awesome, and this is one of those games that there's a mode for everyone. Like if you like to do the my player thing and develop your player from being, you know, not in the NBA to being this Hall of Famer, or if you like to do uh, like the my team stuff where you're constantly drafting new players, sort of sort of like an expansion mode. I spent like a half hour the other night creating my own court. Like I have all these stupid things, and people upload images. So I have like a picture of like Prison Mike from The Office, like on my basketball nice. court, and it's just like it's ridiculous. Uh, they also have all franchise teams. All thirty teams have the best players from their franchises on there. So there's a mode for everything. It's a PS4, Xbox One, uh, I think a Nintendo Switch game as well. So 
I would uh, recommend NBA 2K18. Are you now ready, Ryan, for the topic du jour? I'm dying to know what that is, Richard. Well, it's the topic of the day, and today it is top 50 horror movies, 50 through 31 for this week. Next week we will have part two of the three-part series. So each of us are going to go around. Or first of all, the voting for this, it the three of us put together a list of top 50 horror movies. We ranked them. We then submitted them, Davey and I, to Uncle Buck, who looked them over. And out of each each of our lists, 18 were on all three. So they clearly made it. And then, Buck, after that, were the rest of them at least on two? So, yeah, the way it kind of worked is that because we did 50, unlike when we did the 100 Greatest Guy movies on my podcast, mm-hmm. the 100, you know, uh, Boston Sports 101, that one we only had, I think, 13, where all five guys That's crazy. had them, which is nuts. So, but 18 of these, and then, yeah, everything else is either twofers, and then we, we had cu- a couple of throw-ins where it was singles, yeah, and, and that kind of rounded out the end of the, the list. Yeah, because I feel like these bottom ones we kind of had to fight for, and so each one of us are going to sort of present a movie, and we're just going to go around the horn like that, and I have, I think this list is pretty straightforward. Once we get into the top 20, I think we'll talk about how I don't think any of us had certain movies as high as they did, but the fact that all three of us put them on the list made it like there's one that still sticks in my mind that we probably all had like in the 40s but we all had it so it deserves to be on there so these were ones that didn't make it on everybody's list but uh deserve to be in the top 50 horror movies list uncle buck take us away with number 50 number 50 uh i kind of previewed a little bit earlier henry portrait of a serial killer now the best thing about this movie was that it it did that thing that horror movies can do sometimes where they elevate movies because this thing was uh so violent and so uh tough to watch that didn't even get an r rating got like an x rating and it took like roger ebert and these other guys to kind of champion its cause and eventually got a wider release uh, michael rooker it, it's a low budget thing but uh he was the uh main character henry and uh, he kind of befriends this guy otis and the two of them are going around and they're killing people but michael is the you know, he's the brains of the operation, whereas Otis is just kind of the, the nutty guy. Uh, Michael's sitting there talking to him about how when you kill people, you have to do it. You know, you can't do it at the same time every time. The police will figure it out, and then you got to, you know, you can tie them all together. And Otis is just, all he can think about is just the act of the physical killing people. So Otis has a sister who comes to live with him because, of course, right? It's, it's, like, the, it's, yeah. like, a, it's like a Rocky turned up to 11, right? Well, this is a true story, too. Or yeah. at least it's based so, off of a true story, and so it was a little bit different. Right, right, right. Well, in in in, in reading some of the other things about this, this was a movie where they didn't have like a cop chasing him. It was just literally a portrait of a serial killer. You kind of yeah. followed this guy around, and it was like you were watching it because it was so low budget and everything else. In fact, at one point they steal a video camera from somebody they've killed, and they're filming them, them murdering it. people, yeah, and then yeah, like messing with the bodies scene. after they've murdered them, right? Including yes. some naked women and stuff. Yeah, and so, but there you see them sitting there watching it on on the couch. And the fact that they're watching it through a home video camera, like any of us might have had as yeah, kids or whatever, weird. it makes you it brings you almost too close to the horror and the terror, right? And so that made it so disturbing. In fact, a lot of the stuff is not even that gruesome, comparatively speaking, to other things on this list. But for the time, I mean, it, w- it was it was pretty horrible stuff. Um, the amazing thing, though, is um, they had this storyline in which the sister Becky kind of uh, befriends Henry, right? And you see this happening like uh, so many Hollywood movies where. 
her goodness, even though she's in a bad environment, is going to kind of take him away from killing yeah. people, and they're yeah, going to kind of leave, right. right? And so instead, what happens to Becky? And by the way, there's going to be spoiler alerts in this Oh, good point. Spoiler, spoiler alerts for these movies. And so here's the key. We should have mentioned this at the beginning, but this is fine. We're only going to talk about each movie for about three minutes, two to three minutes for each movie. So if we start talking about a movie and you have no interest in it, you don't want to be spoiled, you haven't seen it, you want to go and watch it later, I would skip ahead a few minutes because – some of these movies have been out forever. Like, when did this movie come out? Was like uh, this was like oh. early eighties. Yeah, yeah, early eighties. Right. So, but yeah. So the as as it turns out, she's befriending him, and you're like, oh wow, you know, this girl is going to kind of take him out of this and, and, and help set Henry straight. Mm, yeah, she ends up in a suitcase on the side of the highway. <sighs> in, in one of the most chilling finishes to a horror movie you'll ever see. It is. Um, there's another movie that came out more recently called Man Bites Dog. It's a Belgian documentary-style movie that's a lot like this in which a documentary guy goes around and just follows a serial killer as he does his day-to-day, which is pretty crazy. But uh, like Davey said in his last uh, video game, if you've got nothing else going on <laughs> yeah. and you're just completely bored, yeah, give it a try. This is one. It, it could bum you out, though. And it's also – there's a number of them on this list that have the I need to shower after I watch oh, it. Oh, yeah, yeah, This yeah. is definitely, definitely one of those. Yeah, the Otis And scene. that's what I was going to say. I always liken it to the feeling I got after I watched Requiem for a Dream where you just like kind of the, – the movie goes to black and you're just staring Ugh. at the screen for a little while. Yes, yeah. You know what I mean? Like I you're agree. just sitting there and you're just like, uh, yeah, as it's as it's focusing in on the on the suitcase, you're just like, oh wow. That just uh, took a yeah. turn. I wasn't, you know. All right. Number 49, The Devil's Rejects. This is one that I had to fight for to get on this list. It was much higher on my rankings. I have it here though, or we have it together at number 49. This movie came out in 2005. Actually, it segues nicely because the guy who played Otis in Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer was in this movie. He was actually in House of a Thousand Corpses, which Rejects is the sequel to, but you don't necessarily have to see House of a Thousand Corpses. That one's much more fantastical. Devil's Rejects, much more real. Uh, The plot is the murderous backwoods Firefly family take to the road to escape a vengeful police force which is not afraid of being as ruthless as their target. And so uh, the guy who played Otis in uh, Portrait of a Serial Killer he plays this guy, George Wydell, who is killed in House of a Thousand Corpses. And it's his brother, played by William Forsythe, in Devil's Rejects, is awesome. He's one of the great characters because he will certainly bend, bend the rules. Like, he's a sheriff, <laughs> but he's also, like, a vigilante. Like, he's taking this into his own hands. I know you think it's funny, Buck, but this movie <laughs> is tremendous. Listen, I think you're right. He's not afraid to bend the rules at all at in, this, all. in this film. He will do whatever it takes. He uh, and, and I think the Firefly family is pretty good as well. You have Rob Zombie's wife. You have Sid Haig playing uh, Captain Spaulding. Um, and then you have uh, Otis Driftwood in there as well. So those are the, those Diamond are, Dallas Page. Those are, so then my I, yoga instructor. And then DDP. Yeah, yeah, DDP Yoga. So you have DDP and Danny Trejo. They play these two guys called the Unholy Two. They're basically bounty hunters. Two of the greatest badasses really in good, the history yeah. of film. Uh, Rob Zombie has not made a lot of, I would say, great movies, <laughs> but this one is. I'm telling you. And this is a guy who is a big horror fan. Like he's obsessed with horror. And this is his best movie. Like, this is an homage to Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It's an homage to some of those other ones. And I think he did a pretty good job creating this murderous trio that he should absolutely hate. And then he tries to humanize them a little bit along the way. Plus, I would say this is maybe one of the best soundtracks. Like, for a guy who has really good, he's obviously a musician, and he uses Freebird in a way. Like, Freebird, we've all heard Freebird too many times, but he uses it perfectly <laughs> in this movie at the end. 
And he has other songs that he brings in there. He has a lot of former uh, 70s and 80s horror icons sort of popped in and out of there throughout. So if you haven't seen House of a Thousand Corpses, that's fine. You can skip it. It gives you a little bit of more background on the characters. Uh, but if not, I highly, highly recommend The Devil's Rejects. 2005, All right. by the way. Go ahead, Ryan. 2005. All right. So number 48 I have on the list. Uh, another one that uh, was on the fence, this one, uh, a movie called Sinister. Um, and I took the time to write. It got a 63% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, and I like this movie for, for the reason that it's a bit of a hybrid. So the movie starts out, it's Ethan Hawke, um, who is a kind of like a true crime author who investigates all these unsolved mysteries and stuff like that and actually goes to the town. But the movie starts out with this Super 8 movie of this family being hung from a tree, which is, like, really unsettling. And there's something about Super 8 film that really, like, creeps me out, like the grain of it and stuff and how it skips around. So right off the bat, you're like, all right, it's kind of like a found footage kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of where the movie goes from there. So unbeknownst to his family, Ethan Hawke moves them into a house where an unsolved murder has taken place. Um, and so he's trying to solve this murder, and he goes up into the attic, and there's this box of, like, Super 8 film. So he starts to unpack all these things and, and, and stuff like that. And, you know, there's, there's these horror tropes that kind of come in and out of it. Um, so you have the found footage aspect. You have your true crime aspect. Um, you have the kid who is, suffers from night terrors and starts seeing things and are the things real and so on and so forth. So um, this is just kind of like one of those movies where it kind of has a nice little pocket. Um, it's, it has its flaws, obviously. Um, I think it has a great uh, bad guy in yes. it. Yes, yeah, um, I think so. And it's, uh, you guys have seen this movie, right? Yes, I have. I think yeah, it's pretty it's creepy. So, yeah. it, it's pretty creepy, uh, especially when you involve like kids being taken and being stolen. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like For whatever reason, Buck, you can, as a, as a father, that, that kind of oh, really It's so much really harder to watch anything involving kids once you have kids. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, you're so, like, why didn't I think the of that? Whole thing, <laughs> yeah, so the guy, I guess they, what's the guy's Bugul or something like that, like the, Boo, the demon. Boo, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, scary as shit. Well, and this is Scott Derrickson too, the guy who directed um, Doctor Strange, directed yeah, this movie. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. I think it's good. I I like Sinister. I'm a fan. And like I said, what I like about it is the mix. You have like kind of like a, a monster movie aspect to it. You have the found footage aspect to it, and then you have just like your straight suspense thriller kind of thing. So it's a, it's a nice little melting pot of horror elements that um, it, it's just a great Dorktober fit. It absolutely is. It is a creepy movie. I recommend it as well. Number 47, Candyman. This movie came out in 1992. I think, and we'll do this at the end. We can go through when all these movies came out. The 90s, mm, sneaking out a great decade for horror movies. Uh, but 1992's Candyman, I think, deserves to be on this list. Uh, the Candyman, a murderous soul with a hook for a hand, is accidentally summoned to reality by a skeptic grad student researching the monster's myth. This is based off of a short story by Clive Barker, who I know we'll get to later on. It was titled The Forbidden. He was also a producer on the film. Now, this Candyman is not to be confused <laughs> with... Ca- this Candyman. This Candyman, not to be confused with Dean Coral who was sometimes referred to as the Candyman. This was a guy who was a uh, responsible for the Houston mass murders of the early 1970s. Different film. Different film altogether, different guy. They called him the Candyman because he would target uh, young boys and he would lure them with candy. Uh, then he would rape and murder them uh, with the assistant of two other young boys, one of which actually killed him. 
because he said oh. enough was enough because he found out that he was going to this guy <laughs> Dean Coral was going to kill him and probably rape his body and then so he said I'm not doing don't, it don't get into the probables Sorry, of what <laughs> he could do may do <laughs> objection right. you not yeah objection your honor we're not here to say what that's speculation what that was the, that was the case but that's got nothing to do with that this movie has nothing <laughs> so to do with that that we've covered 30 seconds of that nothing to do with anything but are you not interested are you not intrigued <laughs> by <laughs> Dean Coral are you not entertained are you not going to bing Dean Coral when you uh, get through with this and, and want to figure I might out already be doing it I went on one of these kicks and that Henry Portrait the serial killer like that guy was on there and I think I feel like it's healthy. I feel like a lot of people do this, where you get like obsessed with serial killers. <laughs> Just me? No, <laughs> I don't know that a Should lot of people on? do that. There's some of these websites. There's like databases filled with these serial killers, and there are a lot of similar motive. Anyway, that's another <laughs> whole thing. Now, this movie had Virginia Madsen in it, and apparently, I did a little research for the for the episode. If it wasn't her, if she said no, they were going to cast Sandra Bullock, who at that point was a bit of an unknown. 1992, Sandra Bullock wasn't in a whole lot of things. Uh, but anyway, Candyman, going back to him, I think yeah. this is a scary villain. The Tony Todd character with the bees and the hook for a hand. The whole idea of like that urban legend where you're in the mirror and saying, Candyman, Candyman, Candyman. I think throughout, this has like an eerie feel to it. When you watch it even now, it came out in 1992, but it feels almost like a, a movie shot in 72. Like It has it's such like a, like a grainier kind of feel to it. I just think Candyman's a classic. I think he's he's not on the Freddy, Jason, Leatherface tier. He's clearly not on that tier. But that next group down, I, I think he's on there, and I think he deserves to be on this list. Yeah, there's there's definitely some horror movies, in my opinion, that are fantastic about halfway through, and then they fall apart. This one, for me, is probably— it a little bit, well, yeah. and, and this one's probably the be- better of that, right. that category. But you said she's a suspicious— Post- she's a skeptic grad student. Is it because <laughs> is it skeptic because she's too old to be a grad student? <laughs> she seems a little old. Well, she took some time off. She yeah. traveled, yeah. Uh, and then she came back to Chicago. There, she's but held up well. Give me, give me candy, man. <laughs> and I remember, so I remember that too, like seeing that movie and scaring the piss out of me in like the first like twenty minutes, and then like to this day, I, it's embarrassing to say how how late in life I went without having to have a light on in the bathroom. Like, it, <laughs> oh right, yeah, yeah. It's, Scares the crap out of me. It is, but like you said, doesn't it, it turns into like a love story? Yeah, like it gets like, weird. And then spoiler, like I know we, we're going to say that throughout this whole thing. And then she becomes the Candyman. Like now, like right. she, she kills takes her own over. old professor, whatever she does. It's weird. And then this spawned a bunch, as almost all of the movies on this <laughs> list spawned uh, numerous sequels. But this, of course, the only one worth watching. So there you go. All right, number forty-six. So I mean, this uh, movie for me is uh, Dawn of the Dead. And it kind of uh, typifies what we had to deal with, uh, the three of us, because, I mean, this for me is like a top 15, top 10 almost horror movie. But here we are at 46. And it's just the way that we've kind of broken this whole thing down. Dawn of the Dead uh, is kind of the sequel. It's the directorial sequel, really, for George Romero, who in 1969 brought us Night of the Living Dead. So eight years, nine years later, in 1978, if I do my math correctly, he comes back uh, after four films, including one that was Martin, which is worth viewing, about a vampire. You're not sure he's a vampire. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, with Dawn of the Dead. So whatever social commentary that uh, Night of the Living Dead was on the Vietnam era and everything that was going on in America at the time, this film is a complete social commentary on the disco shopping mall society that everyone had kind of turned into post-Vietnam, right? Uh, Tom right. Savini, who's absolutely amazing with his special effects. He is great. And, and, and he had done uh, so many uh, terrific, including Maniac and 
um, scanners with his like head explosions and right. and all this stuff. He has one where a guy's torn in half by zombies. He stuff. Didn't he work with him on Martin? Wasn't that that might have been yes. his first thing he ever did with him? Yes. And he even acted in it too. Yeah, yeah. He, and yeah. He's always kind of got these bit yeah, parts. Right, right, right. I met him a couple. Years. In fact, he'll be at Rock and Shock in Worcester this weekend. Really? Yeah. So, uh, but I met him a couple years ago. He's a very odd dude. Yeah. But so what I kind of thought was interesting about Tom Savini in this was that uh, he's a Vietnam vet, and when he was in Vietnam, he would use his camera. And he said it kind of uh, distanced himself from the horror that he saw there. He would take pictures of dead bodies and things like this. But it would, it would kind of distance himself from what was actually happening in front of him, which I thought was funny because he's using a camera to do that, whereas in the last movie I talked about Henry, the, the, oh, the yeah, video the brought camera. us closer right, to it, right? right. Um, so not only did uh, this movie you know, about zombies and being trapped in a shopping mall uh, even though you know some of the effects are corny, the blue zombies are kind of dated and whatever else, and, the, and even the special effects is that crappy foam and that really red whatever syrup um, is is kind of dated and everything else. The, the the message and everything else involved in this film still kind of holds up for its time. Um, I will say that Dario Argento collaborated on this film with George Romero, the famous Italian horror director. Really interesting that he. Uh, they made a deal. He brought the movie over to Italy and into Europe and called it Zombie. And they, he kind of changed the music, changed the ending slightly. If in fact, go online. You can watch both endings. And it's, it's interesting to see how the two of them changed it. Um, but <laughs> I guess in Europe, there's no rules that say you can't take somebody's property and then make a sequel out of it because a complete different production com- company really? came, like, out with right, a company, came out with a movie called Zombie 2 over in Europe. It was released in the United States as Zombie, oh, and as another God. zombie movie. But it did bring us two of my favorite all-time zombie movie moments: Shark versus Zombie, which is great, which is the greatest. <laughs> and then there was a scene in which a woman's uh, face is pulled into a like it's a splinter off a door, Ugh. and it goes right through the eyeball. It turns out to be like a shit. Oh eyeball my God! Or something. I, yeah, I saw. I remember yeah. seeing that scene. Isn't oh that amazing? God. But that was so. Yeah. That was from an unauthorized sequel overseas, <laughs> based on zombie yeah, yeah. movie. Um, right. But anyway, so uh, definitely check out Dawn of the Dead. And so oh, I would favorites. also say, oh, and you you the enjoyed sequel, the, the, the or remake. The sequel, the remake. I loved. I thought the remake, Zack Snyder, and we've you know credited him and we've criticized him on the podcast, but that movie I thought was great. And not that it's necessarily a high bar, but I don't think there's a better horror remake because there's been so many horror remakes. Oh, sure. Most of them are crap. But Dawn of the Dead, two thousand four, I think it was. Great cast and. It, it wasn't like shot for shot remake, so they sort of took that movie and they sort of put a little twist on it. I thought that was great. So either either one, I would recommend highly. And wasn't Tom Savini, by the way, wasn't it, didn't he play Sex Machine in From Dust Till Dawn? He was did. That him? Yes. And, yes. and when I yes. met him, the one picture off his table that I got signed from my brother was, was the one where he has this, the machine gun penis. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> so he can't display it. Of course. <laughs> All right, Dave, you get the next one. Oh, I got the next one. And uh, number 42, I was going to make a joke that it's, it was an Indian movie 45. called... 45. 45, sorry. <laughs> it's a 45. Indian movie called 45. It's fantastic. <laughs> no, movie, I was going to say it was what? <laughs> the, Indian, <laughs> the Indian hit trailer. Or Classic movie. hit movie, uh, yes. But no, and this is a movie... So at number 45, and this is a movie that when... Ten years from now, when we do this list again, I firmly believe that this is going to crack the top ten. And that movie is Get Out. Um... 99% on Rotten Tomatoes, directed by Jordan Peele. Um, this movie kind of came out of nowhere. And I think when we talk about these, these movies, and I know we were talking, we would do spoilers and stuff like that, but I honestly believe that the less I say about this movie, the better. I didn't see this movie when it came out in theaters. I wound up seeing it. Uh, my wife and I watched it recently, like a month ago. 
Um, and I purposely stayed away from it because people were telling me how good it was and I didn't want to know anything about it and things like that. Um, but the less I say about this movie, if you haven't seen it, the better. Um, it's kind of like this new horror kind of thing where it's a bit more, less jump scare and way more like social and like psychological horror. Um, yeah, yeah. With, like some like ridiculous twists in it. Um, and it, it's one of those things where, and I'll talk about this later with another movie, just like this, the idea of just being unsettled, just being like really uncomfortable. Yes. And I feel like the entire cast was just like on edge. Like you're just on edge the entire time because you know that something isn't right with what's going on in the movie. So the, the plot being that um, this young couple, a, a black man and his white girlfriend are going, they're visiting her parents for the first time. Uh, white family out in like the country in New York, and once they get there, the 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 scene is just really odd. The mother is a, a hypnotherapist, and the father is a neuroscientist, and the brother is just a whack job. But uh, what happens then, from then on, is just I'm not going to spoil it for anybody who hasn't seen it. But just a phenomenal movie from Jordan Peele, a directorial debut, if I if I recall. It is, and I heard him. Talking Other than like. Key and Peel and all that stuff. Right, obviously. right, right. Like for a feature film. And I heard him talking about how he was really inspired by Stepford Wives. And as you watch it, you will clearly see why. Uh, but yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, are we on to 44? We are. So We are. So when we did this list, House on Haunted Hill from 1959 immediately made my top 50. That I rewatched it. Ooh, really? <laughs> this is on mine, yeah. too. I yeah, it, yeah, I yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah, we got two. That's kind of like the qualifier. To make the, we needed yeah. a Vincent Price yeah. movie, though. But honestly, there was a couple of things that, that I remembered, and it was the things that had stuck with me that made the list initially. First of all, uh, this is a Vincent Price movie, okay? And the idea here is that he's offering, for some reason, five people to come stay at the house for the night. Right. And this is a house he's renting uh, to put on a dinner party for his wife, although I don't recall them even eating. But they come in for $10,000 a piece if they can just get through the night. Now, there's so many like classic horror tropes that have been yes. done to death that come from this movie, right? And this is one of them, the old idea that you, can you stay a, a night in a haunted house, right? Yeah. Um, so he brings together a test pilot, a newspaper columnist, the guy who owns the home for some reason whose brother was recently <laughs> murdered there. Like, wouldn't he be like, kind of an unfair guy to have there? Yes. And, like, why, you know, I yes. know he could use the cash, but he just got this house. Uh, a psychiatrist and a young girl who happens to work for Vincent Price, who she's never met. He, you know, they never met. Right. Um, there, there's a lot of campy haunted house stuff full of slamming doors and blood dripping from the ceiling and an odd pit filled with acid. Like, I mean, acid pit. How about we clear the acid pit out once the house was sold? I, I'm sure the purchase and sales not going to go through with the acid pit. Is it the lady that comes out on like? That's what it is. So that is one of the honestly one That's of the great the jump scares of, of yeah. my life. Okay. And what's great is that, and this is, again, another horror trope that's been done to death in these parody comedies and everything else, is that they, like, later in the movie explain, oh, that's the butler's wife. Like, oh, she's, yeah, and she's blind. And, like, well, okay, well, why was she in the basement in the dark? Right. And why, why was she gliding? Like, I was Terrifi expecting them to be yeah, like, that is oh, she stepped terrifying. on Johnny's skateboard, and yeah. that's why, of course. Like, oh, of course. But every movie has done it since. But that, oh, yeah, that exactly. Right. So there's so many things like that. that uh, there's the, the scene where the woman is hanging. And then she's hanging outside the window, and all these creepy things are happening. The whole the whole feel of the movie is really intense and creepy. And in in that portion, and you think about 1950, the fact that it is a great black and white Vincent Price film, um, and the pit of acid just cracks me. It's up. It's great. It's definitely worthy of being on the top 50. Yes, it absolutely should be on there. All right, number 43. This is another one of the newer ones. This is from 2015. Green Room. 
This is a punk rock band forced to fight for survival after witnessing a murder at a neo-Nazi skinhead bar. Now, this was one that got recommended to us. I remember last year, Davey, because we did yep. the uh, you know best horror movies you'd never seen. And at that point, neither one of us had seen it, but everybody was telling us about it. I think uh, I think Zolak was telling me to go see it. And like a bunch of people were saying, the Green Room is great. I don't even know if it was in theaters, to be honest. But it was on demand, and you can probably find it somewhere now. But it's really simple and it's really good. You have that that you have that punk rock band going to like this place, kind of out in the middle of nowhere. They're there to perform. Then the next thing you know, some shit goes down. They want to leave. They're told you can't leave, and it's just a, it's a whole thing. Anton Yelchin, uh, rest in peace. He's in this yep. movie. Patrick Stewart is really good as sort of like the guy in charge. Um, but I'm with you, right? I think for some of the newer ones like Get Out and Green Room. Won't get into a whole spoiler thing, but I would just highly recommend this. Pretty simple, straightforward, and for horror movies now, anything that's not a remake or a sequel, I kind of give extra points to, and that's why this one is uh, on the list. Yeah, and it's it's actually a good thing, you know, a good kind of look into like kind of like like I said, this like new horror thing. Yeah. And I think the running time in this thing is like 120 minutes or something. It's like that. pretty quick. Like, it's yeah, not a long movie. It's 90 tops. Yeah, it's quick. Yep. Uh, so we on to we on to uh, to mine. Was it am I on like number twenty six or something? <laughs> You're an asshole. You're on to forty two. <laughs> forty two. And again, Robinson. This, let's go. This and it's funny that these two are back to back because one of the movies that we were mentioned that was mentioned that we see in addition to Green Room was a movie called Don't Breathe. Yeah, I love this um, movie. Which was it still skirts like kind of the horror what horror is. Uh, it's eighty seven percent on Rotten Tomatoes, by the way. Wow. Um, but it has great horror elements, and like especially in the third act, like there's like this weird twist to it that you you know you just assume that it's you know uh, a, a dark caper movie where these kids are breaking into this uh, this old vet's house. He's blind, you know, and he's kind of searching the house for them, and they're kind of trapped inside the house, and they're trying to get out. Um, but it's not like a straightforward horror movie. Uh, much like Green Room is like very in your face. This is kind of. Uh, it has horror elements to it, but it's shot in like a really incredible way. Um, the the guy who directed it was it Fede Alvarez, I think. The, how you pronounce his name? The guy who did the Evil Dead remake. Oh yeah, yeah. Which, which actually, I, which I really enjoyed. Yeah, it wasn't bad. And Stephen Lang, the guy who he was lobbying real hard to play Cable, and he was the the bad oh, yeah, guy yeah. in uh, in Avatar, um, was phenomenal as kind of like the main villain in this, the the blind guy. Mm -hmm. But uh, like I said, it's it just kind of a um, – it's, and it's set in Detroit, I believe. So, like, everything – he's, like, the only person, like, in this neighborhood that's it's just bizarre, completely though, abandoned. The way they do it, like, the protagonists of the movie are actually breaking into a guy's house. So, at first, you're like, well, I'm not rooting for these guys. Like, these are assholes. But then, like, the way it kind of all turns around on itself and it was – then, like you said, there's that twist in it as well. Uh, yeah, this is this is really good. I liked it. Yeah, it's a great. It, that, that's one you should definitely see for this new horror type thing. Speaking of new horror, Uncle Buck, you got <laughs> well, and, and I think it's worth mentioning. I mean, Dave, you made a really good point earlier, saying that a lot of these movies, if we did this again next year, will be in that top fifteen, top twenty, top ten, yep. even sometimes yeah. because. I mean, let's face it. This is a great time for horror movies it because has. It's there's, a, boom. there's a lot more freedom for it. And uh, um, nothing says freshness in horror movies like number 41, which is Frankenstein <laughs> from <laughs> 1931. And it's funny. This one actually went on, on and off the list several times. We kind of felt like it had to be on there because of it, it, the importance of it historically. And um, so it really didn't get that much of a grumble when it landed at 41. 
But this was the first monster movie. You can say Dracula was, but I mean, honestly, Dracula is like suave and cunning. He's almost like that character on Saturday Night Live that's played by Christopher Walken, right? <laughs> yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? So he, he, he can at least talk. The Continental. A, the Continental. Yeah, yeah, Continental. He can yeah. talk a good game. But but the Frankenstein's not. He's more like Gronk coming no, into the he, room, right? He literally so, is. Yeah. So, it, and, it, um, and the idea that it starts with a theatrical warning. This a guy comes out on stage and is like, listen, you know, anyone who has a heart condition <laughs> this is going to get intense. We <laughs> warned you, right? And you're just yeah. like, wow, what am I getting myself into? And you got to remember, 1931, this is insane. Right. Um, the great movie starts at a grave, uh, really bitter. And by the way, this entire movie is shot like in a set. This is like classic it's Universal, yeah. where you look yeah. in the background, you clearly tell it's like painted scenery, <laughs> which is amazing because you just think about the process of film over the last hundred years, right? And so they, they uh, Doctor Frankenstein. By the way, for if you ask America. 75% of them think the monster's name I is know, Frankenstein. Me Dr. Nuts. Frankenstein uh, is there yeah. digging up a body with Igor, and uh, it's a freshly dug body, and then they grab a second body from like a hanging because they just leave those lying around. Sure they do. Uh, and then, of course, Igor goes and takes a brain from the local college. This is all – it's <laughs> Igor, by the way. This is all Igor, right. re- recapped almost more funly in uh, Young Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. But he grabs a brain, accidentally drops it, then grabs the abnormal brain. So now they've got a bad, course, brain, a bad brain, two bodies. They kind of shuffle it together like a deck of cards, and boom, you know, a little electricity, and here's this monster. The great line, though, is, it's alive, it's alive, right? And he says, in the name of God, now I know what it's like to be God. Can you think in 1931 how controversial that statement oh, would be? Sure. How yeah. blasphemous in such a religious society we had in 1931 that would be? Uh Boris Karloff plays uh, Boris, that cocksucker, limey cocksucker. Um, <laughs> Karloff, sidekick. Um, Boris Karloff appears 30 minutes into the movie. So we're 30 min- minutes into it before he even makes an appearance. Oh. Um, the monster escapes, and now Victor Frankenstein's getting married. He doesn't even seem to, he didn't check on him. So no, now the monster's like, escaped. He's going through town. And, and actually, one of the most like horrifically terrible, and Dave, you said it as a parent. Um, to watch Frankenstein come upon this little girl who's playing with flowers, yeah, that and is and you just see this this interaction where it's so innocent, both of them are so innocent, and he picks her up and throws her in the water, and she ends up drowning because she can't Crazy. swim. Yeah. yeah, just heartbreaking and terrible. And then the scene where the father's carrying her into the village to see the Bubba Meister, you know, or whatever you know, the Burgermeister, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and 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 she's her lifeless dead body. It is it is ha- absolutely heartbreaking. And then the film ends with the the great scene at the uh, the windmill. But of course, there's a million Frankenstein right. knockoffs to the point where they a- eventually meet Abbott and Costello. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Of course and I would say, so if you guys ever, do you ever watch the series Penny Dreadful on Showtime? Only a few episodes. I've I, heard it. I heard it's not gotten through. And uh, I will just tell you that the two of the best characters in the show are Frankenstein and his monster. Yeah. And the interactions that they have with each other. So, like, it, it's a really cool story. Uh, I've actually taught this book before. So it's, it, it, it definitely deserves a place, like, on this list. Right. Uh, I'm a teacher, if you guys didn't know that. No, I know. Um, Would you say what you majored in, just so everybody can No, I'm try? not going to say that. No, I'm not okay. Say that. All right. <laughs> no. Um, but, yeah, just a really cool story. And like you said, I mean, if you're going to watch a horror movie, I mean, if you're going to tell somebody, like, who's never seen a horror movie before, I don't know if those people exist. I'm sure they do. They're not listening to this. <laughs> They're not listening to this, but... This is a this is definitely a place to start. Well, but you know sure. what? Yeah. You know what is great? It does have that kind of classic horror. But on top of it, my son's seen it. Both of my kids have seen it. They're twelve and ten. I mean, it, yeah. it, it's light enough in today's day and age that they can see that. But like we talked about earlier, there are so many great horror movies, and I'm glad you guys convinced me to see number forty. Yes, Ryan. Number forty. Yeah, uh, Creep, which was directed of directorial de- debut of Patrick Bryce, which he wrote with Mark Duplass, who is. 
they're the two guys in the movie. So that's so that's it. And then there's that cameo with Kate Azelton, who is Mark Duplass's wife, also from the League, who is the voice on the phone. Um, so there's the only three people in the movie. Yeah, because yeah, I was like, I don't so, think she appeared. It was just a voice. Yeah, just no, a voice, she, yeah. she's the voice on the phone. So this is a 96% on Rotten Tomatoes. I know I'm big into my Rotten Tomato scores, but no, but it's funny, I think a lot of most horror a lot movies of get trashed. Most horror movies get yeah. trashed. And so this is, yeah, that's that's pretty good. And uh, and one of the things I think the common thread of all the things that I was <laughs> I was tasked of coming up with a little blurb for all these things is these movies are just so, Creep is just exactly what it says it is. It is just creepy. Like, from the get-go. So the basis of the story is there's this weird guy who lives out in the woods who's hired this freelance videographer to kind of follow him around, and the whole time he's telling him his life story. And the life story, it changes from, I survived cancer, uh, but it's back, and my wife is pregnant, but she left me, and we're going to... So there's, like, hold this thing, this guy, but he's dying, so he wants to make this video for his unborn child so he'd get to know him. And the whole time... The relationship between the cameraman and this character uh, played by Mark Duplass is just odd. Like, it, <laughs> like I, this is the only it way is. I can describe it. It is. And and there's two scenes in particular that jump out at me. Um, the scene in the bathtub where he's sitting in the bathtub, talking about his like relationship with his father and like why he's going to call his son Buddy and like all. It's it's Mark <laughs> yeah. Duplass sitting in a bathtub like very strange. It, very strange. And then that goes into the scene with, uh, oh, this is just a cuddly werewolf mask that my dad used to put on and play with me. And we called him Peach Fuzz. Yeah, yeah, and he does this them. weird, yeah. oh, my God, scared the piss out of me. That but, was uh, A movie, no, it was nuts. And it kind of, the, the relationship between the two kind of devolved from there, as you, as you, uh, as you guessed. The, the, and, and what's great about it is, is the camera guy actually escapes and gets home. And then you think the movie's kind of over. It's not. And then it's it's not. You know, and uh, it's just a completely, like, un- if you want to be unsettled. I don't know why you would ever, like, willingly go into a movie being like, I just want to be really creeped out. And I'll tell you what, um, for a movie that, because I remember you recommending this last year or the year before or whenever it came out. And this is one where for a um, kind of, like, handheld camera movie. It's yeah. not. It's not jarring though, because some people get sick, like Cloverfield or Blair right. Witch, kind of like oh, I'm getting kind of queasy. Like this doesn't do that yeah. at all. This is pretty. No, good. and it's funny because he's like he's supposed to be like a freelance like videographer who like knows how to handle a camera. Yeah. So when he like you know yeah um and the good news about this movie is there is a sequel coming. No. This month. Oh wow. The Creep two. Yeah. I think is it just on Netflix or is it? I think so. I think yeah, so. It's coming out. Yep. So creep too. Yeah, one of the best endings too. I mean that the yeah, finally awesome that, that 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 I actually put a thing on um, on my Twitter that one of the still images from that ending that was so well done and oh, such yeah. a visual that I think that one's gonna hold up. Yeah, creep was oh, yeah. creep was really good. So let's go number thirty nine is session nine came out in two thousand and one. Tensions rise within an asbestos cleaning crew. <laughs> Davey, I know how scared you are of asbestos. Uh, everyone should be. I don't know why you're not. It's the silent killer. No, I am. And I, you usually point that out to us, and I, I agree with you. But an asbestos cleaning crew, as they work in an abandoned mental hospital with a horrific past that seems to be coming back. Now, this is uh, takes place in Danvers, Massachusetts, for all the uh, New England people listening to this. It is, admittedly, a slow burn. It's a bit of a slow burn. Uh, you got David Caruso in there. You got them cleaning up asbestos. And because of where they're working... Uh, different things happen. Maybe there's ghosts or maybe who knows what, what's going on. But the key of this whole thing and what's the scariest to me is that one of the guys in the cleaning crew stumbles upon a bunch of 
tapes. And what it was was from the in- insane asylum, these different sessions that a doctor would have. And this happened to be with a particular girl. And so session nine is, is uh, the title they got from that. But it's this one little girl. And first of all, I think the doctor, I think his voice is kind of creepy. Like his voice kind of scared me alone, let alone the girl he's talking to had multiple personalities and I think it was four or five different personalities she had, and they all had very distinct, different voices. And just listening to that, I mean, you know, Creep was the name of the last movie, but these were all really creepy. Like they, Simon, which is like the one guy, because she committed such a horrific act, and he's trying to like ask her about it, and then she keeps changing the characters. That alone, like that to me, is why this movie should be on the list. A lot of the other stuff is kind of all right, let's cut to it. And then eventually it kind of melts the minds of a lot of the guys working in there, and there's some good interaction. You do have to give it a minute. It's not going to hit you right out of the gate with some really scary stuff or some stuff you've never seen before. But once you get in there, a solid ending and some good stuff in in the middle there. So session nine. Session nine. All right, number 38 for me is uh, Frailty, directed by Bill Paxton, pick of the podcast. (laughs) Former pick of the podcast. Shout out, yes. (laughs) Yes. 73% 73% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, this movie is kind of cool. So great performances by Paxton and Matthew McConaughey in this movie. Um, one of his like kind of early roles, McConaughey, but not. Um, it's just a, like a good horror movie, like a good like suspense thriller uh, horror movie. Uh, tells the story through flash McConaughey's flashbacks of the um, him and him, his father, and his brother um, in the story of the God's Hand Killer. So in real time, these police officers are looking for this guy named the God's Hand Killer, and Matthew McConaughey is in the police station telling them stories about him and his brother being brought up by their father, who tells them that they need to rid the world of demons, and he's convincing that all these people are possessed and they have to, like, kill them, basically. Um, And just, like, a really cool horror movie with a great twist at the uh, no by saying a twist you're uh, you're basically spoiling the movie so you know I'll just screw yeah, go for it. it. So this one's been out long enough. You turn you turn it turns out that you know Mc- Matthew McConaughey is trying to lead all these cops to his brother who he says is the god's hand killer. Turns out he himself is the killer and there's there's your big reveal. Um but just a really cool and like dark movie. Um, not you typically see Bill Paxton as kind of like this like ho hum kind of like you know, derfy kind of guy. Um, but real powerhouse in this like really fucked up and weird um, guy who's trying to convince his two like preteen sons that they need to rid the world of demons. Yeah, um, it was definitely different than what I thought it was going to be. Like I had, I had no idea what I was getting into, but it was great. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I and, and a great performance by McConaughey. And and I only I made a note here. It's like a, um, it's kind of like a a um, when you see uh, his character of Rust in True Detective, it's kind of like that, a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Am I wrong? Like when no, you no, sit no. in the police I, station and as you were saying this, I was thinking to myself, "Wow, this does have a lot of similarities to the way True Detective." Yeah, I mean, it's not you know different story certainly. I think it's interesting how um, fantastic it is in in the basis of religion being a motivating factor. There's so right. many great movies mm-hmm. in which they bring religion and our religious society, like The Wicker Man, The Exorcist, that bring the that omen, into yeah. it, it, the Omen that, that bring it in and and make it such a powerful because so many people can relate to it everyone's oh, yeah. been dragged to church at one point or another and and the idea that somebody uh, his beliefs are so far gone right that they could uh, uh, commit these kind of acts is crazy that's a good one 
All right, number 37 is The Descent. Came out in 2005. A caving expedition goes horribly wrong as the explorers become trapped and ultimately pursued by a strange breed of predators. This is an all-female cast, which I would have to assume is the only one on this entire list that can say that. This is the uh, combination of uh, claustrophobia, oh, I would say, time. is one of the scariest things oh my God, yeah. in, yeah. This, in this whole movie. Just them in the cave. Getting caught in tight spaces is super scary. I was more scared when of she that. gets kind of caught in that. And there was kind of a little bit of movement in the rocks. Yes. Than I was during the parts where they're dealing with whatever and like the, we've those all been, creatures were. Yeah, right. The creatures are like bat people type yeah. weird things. And like they're whatever. This also has, this is a, I guess, a trope that that happens a lot is when somebody is nervous, somebody is afraid. Say they're trying to protect their house or they're trying to protect, uh, you know, wherever they happen to be. And then they get scared and like somebody comes up behind him they think it's the villain and they hit the villain but it's really like their friend or it's really like their family member there's one of those in this but it's really good because there's uh, they they do a good job of um getting like a story going with these characters and like one of the women that's there she was just in a car accident that she wasn't paying attention and her husband and her kid died so they're like trying to help her and she's there and then there's some some fighting with the girls and then she takes like a pickaxe and like drills this one chick with it uh, but no, I think the descent is is really good. The cave creatures, like you said, maybe not the scariest thing. There are other parts of this movie that that make it really scary. Number thirty six. All right, we're on to thirty six. Uh, Last House on the Left, and we're talking about the original oh, Last God, House yeah. on the Left from nineteen seventy two, Wes Craven's first movie. Um, so I rewatched this one, and and it is it holds up as a as a horror, uh, horror icon film. But it's amazing to me how you have a situation where Wes Craven was able to present pretty much the worst, most disturbing uh, you can see in humanity. And then also with almost like a Benny Hillish dopey cop side plot. Going, that was weird. Like yeah. some of the high, like, like, I don't even know what hijinks. But some then, of the music. Yeah. There was a scene in which uh, uh, there's, there's these two girls, uh, Mary and Phyllis. Okay, and they want to go spend the night in the city to go to a concert, and they end up coming across this guy, Crew, and his three thugs, just trying to score some weed, right? And then they end up back in their apartment, and they get locked in, and they're pretty much sexually assaulted and, and raped in this apartment. You don't Ugh. see a lot of that. You just kind of and see the them. Woods. In, yeah, well, so at the oh, beginning, sorry, they're sorry, dr- sorry, sorry, yeah. Hi. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> then This movie, this movie yeah. creeps me out. But then, uh, so, but there's like a scene where like her parents are very nicely with some very sweet music making like her birthday cake, and then it cuts to her being. Uh, her clothes being torn off in this apartment. And then it goes back to them talking about their memories of her growing up as a child. And then they go back to her literally being molested by these guys. Um, they direct, they bring her down to the woods. Now, miraculously, they happen to go in the same neighborhood where she grew up. And they bring her into the woods, and they uh, go on to make uh, her friend Phyllis pee her pants. Uh, they make... Uh, uh, they kill Phyllis. They end up uh, raping and, and killing Mary. They end up car- crew carves his name into her chest. There's a ton it's of blood. Ridiculous. She yeah. she gets up and wanders into the water, and he ends up just point blank with a gun, blowing her away in like three shots. During that interaction, though, Mary or uh, yeah, Mary gives her pendant over, trying to escape to one of the thugs, and their car dies or whatever it was, and they end up wandering over to the house that Mary amazingly Mary right, grew right. up in, right? Coincidence. Well, but what's so amazing about this is, again, you have, it's like A and Z, right? And there's no in-between here. There's like the nicest and then the worst. And they get to the house, and when the parents find out what has happened to the daughter, you see the ultimate horror for the parents, but then you see them turn into the 
even more deadly aggressors than the yeah, the, the four thugs. Crazy. And Especially they the go, yeah, they go and they basically get revenge on these four criminals. One of the scenarios, the mother grabs the guy and starts giving him a blowjob in the backyard and bites his dick off. That's crazy. I mean, it, it's insane. It's got one of the great endings uh, in, of movie history where the police who have been bumbling around. By the way, one of them is played by a very young Sensei Crease from Karate Kid. <laughs> um, nice. They're bumbling around the entire movie to a ridiculous Benny Hillish soundtrack. Uh, and they finally break in on the house, and they see the father has a chainsaw, and he's a, he's now finally applying it to the crew. The cop is screaming that he can't believe what he's seeing. And in the backyard, the mother is charging at one of the uh, the female assailants and, and slashes her throat in the pool. I mean, just one of the ama- most amazing horror finales you, you can possibly imagine. And then just to kind of let everyone breathe a little bit, the credits roll with, again, some very light country music, and you see all the actors, they're fine. It was almost like they, they needed. Ha- they probably had to put you that in the or relief something. because yeah. it was so tense and so upsetting and so demented. It's a top five, like uh, Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer, te- Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and Last House on the Left are the you need to take a shower after you watch it oh, movies. Absolutely. Requiem for a Dream, like those are all ones that you absolutely feel horrible about. All right, number thirty-five, The Mist. Came out in 2007. This is a freak storm unleashes a species of bloodthirsty creatures on a small town where a small band of citizens hole up in a supermarket and fight for their lives. The three of us talked about this one a little bit on our Stephen King episode. Uh, Frank Darabont directed this, who was one of the guys that brought Walking Dead to AMC. There's a lot of Walking Dead actors in this. And also, this has the greatest ending of any horror movie ever. Agreed. Spoilers! 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 Here come the spoilers! I I had to do it. I know we're doing it for all the movies, but for this one in particular, this is all I'm going to say about the mist. The end. So they're fighting these creatures. They're in like this, uh, this what would you say, like a convenience store this like whole time. Supermarket. Super, like a supermarket. Yeah, they're, in, they're in a supermarket. Not quite a super Target, but no, it's, it's not. Like a supermarket. Yeah, it's like a regular supermarket, so all kinds of people. There's some stuff going on there. Yeah, that's all well and good. And there's like these big monsters. They've seen people dying. You know that the, the world is over. Like this is, this is it. And it's Thomas Jane, his son, an older guy, and a uh, woman that they just met there. The four of them are in a car. They're leaving there. They're in the mist. They got, though, to the car, which was amazing. Not everybody else could do that. And they're like, but this is it. We're not going to survive this. There's, there's no chance. We have a gun, and we only have three bullets. So Thomas Jane loads up the gun. They all agree to this. Like This is the only way out. He shoots the old guy. He shoots the woman. He shoots his son. And then... You as hear soon as that happens, all of a sudden, military comes flying oh. in. The mist kind of clears. Tanks rolling in. They figured out they're gonna they're gonna destroy these monsters, and everybody is gonna be fine. Right after he fucking kills his kid, <laughs> unbelievable! Like the yeah. mist, one uh, of the great shocks of in, in the history of movies for me. Anyway. That was that was absolutely wild. So that that's the only reason for me why I put it on my top fifty, and that's why we have it here. At number thirty-five, Davey, and I think one of the one of the only movies I've ever yelled at the screen like I was watching <laughs> the Patriots. Yeah, no, seriously, <laughs> yeah. I was like, it, it just freaked me out. I couldn't because I'm like, oh, the mess. I'm like Stephen King, and like as we've talked about before, hit or miss movies. Yeah. Hey, this will be fine. And then it was that that ending. So yeah, All right. so great ending, great ending. Um, the next movie, number thirty-four, I have Insidious, <clears throat> directed by James Wan, sixty-six uh, percent on Rotten Tomatoes, so a decent horror movie. James Wan, by the way, has had the 
weirdest directing credits ever. Yeah, so I liked he directed Vaughan. Yeah, so he directed Saw. He directed Dead Silence. He directed uh let's see, Insidious, The Conjuring, Insidious Chapter Two, Fast and Furious Seven, and now he's directing Aquaman. That's right. Pretty good. Like, like what, <laughs> what is man. going on? Yeah. yeah. Um but yeah, just kind of a cool ghost story uh, kind of aspect to it. So the um, starring uh, what's the guy's name? Patrick Wilson. Wilson um, and your girl Rose Byrne. Yeah, Rose Byrne's hot. Now man. the weirdest thing is in the in, in all the Insidious films that we've <clears throat> you've seen, I think there's like three or four of them. This is the third. Technically, chronologically, this is the third. Yeah, because they just made two prequels. They did two prequels. Or they got a second yeah. prequel coming out. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> So it tells the story of this family who um, their son inexplicably goes into a coma, and it turns out that he's not in a coma. He is His body has entered an astral plane, and all of these ghosts that reside there are trying to get out through him. Um, so just kind of a really cool ghost story, and told like through some flashbacks. Um, I guess the astral planism runs in the family, because Patrick Wilson's character also has... Um, some flashbacks of uh, this old lady that haunted him when he was a boy. Just a cool ghost story. Just a lot of jump scares. A lot of you know people coming out of nowhere, and um, just a just a decent horror movie. You know, and again, we run into that issue where this made I think two of our lists. Yeah, this was on so, mine. I liked it. Yeah, yeah. I liked no, it. This was on mine I, as well. It, okay. Yeah, I, I don't think not, it deserved to be a top twenty, but I think it no, no, to be in top 50, but it's good. It deserves to be. No, there. it's definitely worth a watch if you're into like that. You know, possession kind of ghost story, poltergeist kind of thing. You know, that's that's where this movie kind of lands in but the, terms of horror. But the scene where Animal from the Muppets is behind him, I was like, yeah. "Oh my god, that's terrifying." That's a, that's a scary image. I I was I was scared by that big time. And it's the same thing with sort of like dream states and things like that. Like it was ghosts, whatever you want. Like it was it was scary. Like like oh like um. Like, there's haunted houses, but then there's also people who can be haunted. Yeah, and I think the biggest right. thing that hurt a movie like this or Sinister or uh, what was the third one? Uh, the, the, Conjuring. The Conjuring is that they all kind of came out in the same time yeah. period, so I think they get mixed around a little bit. And, and James Bond right. directed all. Yeah, it's all the yeah, same yeah. actors. Yeah. Well, yeah, there's some overlap right, actors, right. too. Like, Patrick Wilson's yeah. in Insidious and Conjuring, and so you're trying to separate the two. But, but, but great stuff, yeah. All right, so number 33. Uh, this one's probably the most fun on my entire list was Reanimator. Now, if you are a history buff as far as horror in New England, H.P. Lovecraft has got to be your guy. Uh, you know, Mr. Rhode Island. I, I love the fact that when you go on his IM, uh, his uh, Wikipedia page, it still me- mentions my town of Bolton, which he, he uh, you know, was like a thriving city in some of his stories, but Bolton, Massachusetts. Uh, and then there's also, um, like, you can trace things like Arkham Asylum, Back to H.P. Oh, wow. Lovecraft. You can uh, a lot of Stephen King's work uh, spun off that. John Carpenter's The Thing, Alien. A lot of Alan Moore stories and Neil Gaiman stories originally had uh, roots from H.P. Uh, Lovecraft and his story of weird tales. Right. Yes. Um, so in this story, Madman, uh, Doctor West, and his fellow grad student Dan Kane uh, work on a formula to reanimate dead tissue. Right. This has amazing special effects, and but a lot of like just it's almost like a dark comedy at times too of two grad students dealing with like the dopey professor who's you know thinks he's bigger than he is you know he's uh, hitting on all the coeds and everything else including Kane's girlfriend to the point where uh, when he's killed and uh, he's decapitated um, he the serum is put into him by by uh, Doctor West the madman and uh, his head and body come to life where he's able to somehow control 
his body, even though it's in dismembered from his head, and get it to do things, like do his bidding for him. And, and then another doctor who's gone nuts. So they bring his girlfriend there. And now this is funny because as much as Henry's portrait of a serial killer has those nude scenes where there's really inappropriate stuff, the people are dead. This girl's knocked out, but you still feel just as awkward watching this. Yeah. They strip his girlfriend completely nude on the, on the uh, you know, morgue slab. And uh, they're fe- the doctor, the headless body's feeling her up. It's yeah, also, you're like, and, I don't know about and, this. And there's a scene where the headless body grabs his head and starts moving her, him, the head down her body in a sexual way. And she, he's like trying to convince her this is all going to work out. <laughs> and she's like screaming. <laughs> and then like there's the classic scene like where as, as it's he's getting in between her thighs, like somebody busts in the room and oh, like relieves all of us of <laughs> having to watch Thank this. God, I know. But um, what's great is that there's all this. Uh, these great fights at the end. It's almost like a Kung Fu movie, the way they have to deal with these roided out, uh, uh, undead, uh, you know, attackers. And at the very end, uh, Dan and his girlfriend, uh, trying to escape Dan's girlfriend's not doing good. She ends up dying and everyone kind of leaves her to leaves him to kind of, uh, you know, say his final goodbyes, and what does he do? He takes the last bit of serum and injects it in her neck. As of course, dun, dun, dun. for some reason, they got the permission to use the psycho soundtrack on this. <laughs> There you go. So that was number 33. Davey, number 32? Number 32 is The Orphanage. Um, not directed by, but produced uh, by Guillermo del Toro. And there's a very, very much a del Toro feel to this movie. Um, J.A. Bayona, I believe. It's a, a, a Spanish movie. Um, and again, just kind of a really cool ghost story. Uh, a woman brings her family back to her childhood home where she was brought up in this orphanage, and now she has a family of her own. They're going to open it and make it a home for children with disabilities. Um, and as it turns out, that the house has some secrets. Ooh. Something of macabre. Macabre. <laughs> you know, so, uh, and again, it's just a, along, with, um, along with Insidious, it's just you know, a bit of a ghost story. Uh, dealing with uh, with kids, you know, running around this orphanage, and you know, the the climactic scene obviously ends in a basement where all of these terrible things have gone. I uh, I haven't seen this movie in some time, but I, it is burned in my brain as a movie that I really really enjoyed. Um, if you if you can get through the subtitles, that is. I know is it Richard? Is it you who doesn't? Like the subtitles? <laughs> I don't mind them in horror movies because I, I think there's so much imaging that's going on, and there's usually not a ton of dialogue. So I have no problem with it, in, especially in horror movies. Like I, the the vanishing, which I don't think made this list. Uh, yeah. I like the original version, which was a foreign movie. Subtitles, whatever. It was still so suspenseful and so scary. So I'm I'm fine. Well, and one thing that's yeah. so great about horror is that the international horror sometimes is some of your best stuff. It is. So it's very forgiving when it comes to okay, I got to sit through. These yeah, because we have a few I know that are definitely on our list that have, that have subtitles. So yeah, that that's fine with me. And I loved the uh, yeah the finale. You're right, Davey was was really heartbreaking and amazing uh, the way it, it unfolded. And then you really realize that this woman's been paying her cleaning lady and she's never gone in the basement this whole time. <laughs> right? Exactly. How dare you? How dare you? Yeah. All right, the last one for this episode, part one of our three part top fifty horror movies, number thirty one, Saw, came out in two thousand and four. Davey already went through James Wan's uh, directorial uh, credits, which he has a lot of them. But Saw, to me, already a classic, uh, despite coming out in 2004. Two strangers awaken in a room with no recollection of how they got there or why and soon discover they are pawns in a deadly game perpetrated by a notorious serial killer. I think Jigsaw, the character, 
they did a pretty good job of creating one of these kind of horror icons. And this has spawned so many movies. Uh, Jigsaw, actually, is the name of the movie that will be out later this month. That is the eighth in the series, which I feel like their last uh, episode or the last part of this uh, series was Saw 3D, the final chapter, which is sort of a double no-no. Once you th- yeah. once you throw out the 3D in a horror series, that's probably crap. Well, and I the I, final chapter. I did see at Comic Con. Yes, Comic Con. No, Comic-Con. it was Comic Con, New York Comic Con, not, okay. not, not the Connecticut yeah, right. version. Um, they had these giant trailers out on the in the front of the building where they were literally. This is for Jigsaw, which is yeah. the next oh, yeah, generation yeah. of this. They were literally had people in line to lock them up into these giant trailers so, so they nuts. could scare them with all sorts of crazy crap. That's but nuts. I was looking at the people working there, and I'm like, you really don't have to lock the door. Because <laughs> I'm like, my first thought is that we have this some sort of alien invasion. Those people aren't getting out. No, they're dead. Yeah, that's they're dead. it. So your first thought was alien invasion? Well, it's just like <laughs> if something were to happen, if there was a, a fire or something, and these people, I mean, the, those little people in front aren't going to help. So I think with the Saw movies, they... Little people have stature in life, by the way. People, they oh, were okay. little people. <laughs> people look at the Saw movies as like the torture porn and that's kind of true i I think more of hostile and really the saw sequels more as that like this is definitely gory but the first saw much more about the storyline when you when you consider the two main characters in the saw movie they're like yeah they're locked up by like their legs and they the two of them are trying to discuss how they're going to get out of there they're not necessarily in the venus fly trap or the reverse bear trap or all which i know a couple of those are in that movie but they get way more gorier. Like they try to up, one up themselves. This I actually think has a pretty straightforward story, and I think it's I think it's pretty good. Uh, also, no, cost, I, like a million dollars to make, and it, it, or and they made like fifty six million. So it's like one of the most profitable horror movies ever made. And the other thing too that people forget is in two thousand four when this movie came out, like horror the horror genre was like nowhere. It was dead. That's right. a great point. It was dead at that point, and this came out, and then they pumped him out. It was so successful that they pumped them out like every Halloween or every October for multiple years. So I remember in college going to see like Saw, Saw 2, Saw yeah, 3, yeah. and I was like, I loved them. This reminds me a lot yeah. of the way Scream hit the hit the uh, pop culture world. Yes. It kind of brought yes. the the genre back, and Carrie Always was amazing, uh, yeah. and, and, and this has a twist to it that made it a unique right. horror movie. So immediately when we right. first were making this list, I was like, oh, Saw, and then I was like, you know what? The original Saw great. is a great movie. Danny Glover also very right. good in it as one of the uh, damn you ugly motherfucker. <laughs> oh wait, that's Predator too. Sorry. <laughs> Top yeah. fifty horror movies, uh, fifty through thirty-one. Quickly going through them from fifty to thirty-one. Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer, The Devil's Rejects, Sinister, Candyman, Dawn of the Dead, Get Out, House on Haunted Hill, Green Room, Don't Breathe, Frankenstein. Now the top forty: Creep. Session 9, Frailty, The Descent, Last House on the Left, The Mist, Insidious, Reanimator, The Orphanage, and Saw. Next week, we'll have number 30 through 11. And then the week after that, we will get to our top 10. Any final words, Davey? No, I feel this is this is a lot of fun, and I'm, I'm looking forward to we got another little wrinkle that we're going to throw at you next episode as well. I know. I can't wait to reveal that. Buck, any final thoughts? I just enjoyed my song. <laughs> I enjoyed your song. I'm pissed. I'm pissed about your song. Why are you pissed I love about my song? song because I love my song, but that's fucking awesome. You guys both have great songs, okay? Mine's longer. <laughs> it is. It has, we got to cut that not down. As, like that not one as long down. as the spoiler alert. Though. Right. We got to trim that. Or we got to trim them all down. Uh, right. Thanks again to Marcus from the Boxers Podcast for uh, all those themes. They have been terrific. Thanks for listening to this. You can check us out at Dork Podcast at R Von D at Uncle Buck W E E I, and we will talk to you next week.